Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. How are we doing today? My name's John Edmonds Cosma. I'm the CEO of Bain Productions. Welcome to the Unimpressed Podcast. We are in Ohio this week with Gerard Heron and Carol Ann Majavik. And guess what? We're going to sit down with Gerard, talk about his path to being a comedian and what his future holds. We're going to go eat because he likes to eat. It's true. I'm the only human on earth that likes to eat. This is no this is no carbs right here. This is no carbs. We've done a lot of shows here in Columbus at the Funny Bone. And here's one of our spots that we always check out. World of beer. World of beer, man. This is my kind of place. Doctor Who, right? Doctor Who? Everything is awesome. Everything is cool and you're part of a team. This is the actual Doctor Who, isn't it? You're like a cane and an umbrella. The children like to play with the toys here in Columbus. This comes from the BBC. This is high society, Governor. I think it's hilarious that the BBC thinks they're like the most high and mighty. Because across the pond here in the 50 states, BBC means something vastly different. Funny one's right over there, Jordan. I'm sweating already. I am sweating. Before we walk in here, we got to put this on. But when we sit down, we can take it back off. Sir, after you. Well, Gerard got to eat. Yeah, got my sugars. Got my blood sugar up. I got two shows tonight. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Two shows tonight. John took a wrong turn on the highway before we got here, and we went through the trap. We saw a truck getting towed by a truck that was getting towed by a truck. Go by the club. <laughs> the Versace shades. That's got to, he put his Versace's on for, for this area. Make some drinks, whatever, up here at the Adobe Gillas. Adobe Gillas. Adobe Gillas. Now piercing almost everything. Claire's ain't doing no cooter piercings, you know what I'm saying? Here we go. This is it right here. Funny bomb. I'm John. Oh, John? Dustin. Yeah. Nice to meet you. What's up, man? What's up, man? Uh, well, man, man, man. Sure we have... Not this tour, but I think this will be our 11th or 12th show here. Nitro and then... We did a bunch oh, that's of shows. right, that's right. Yeah, we had a bunch of shows with uh, right. Darren here to okay. Southern Mama. That's right. Yeah. All right, sir, we'll probably come back around 6, 6.15. All right, thank you. We're very fortunate that when we come to a place, that when people find out who we are, their eyes light up a little bit. That's very, uh, very cool. There she is. She says she can't find that shirt since that show. It's the only show she wore that shirt. So I'm very really? sorry that she hasn't been able to find it since that show. If we didn't have great talent, we wouldn't be able to execute like we execute. That's number one, is talent first. I just have a little different game plan than everybody else. It's true. Talent first. I'm sitting down with Gerard Heron. He's our featured host. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. 
Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. On the Unimpressed podcast. He also is a opener for Carol Ann Majavik, and he's the host for... Nitro Comedy Tour. So we are in Cleveland, Ohio, doing our third show in three days, or fourth show in three fourth days. Fourth show in three days. Fourth show in three days. Yeah. Me and Gerard met in New Jersey. We've we've had a relationship for I think about four or five years now. Yeah. Yeah. So I just want to sit down and talk to Gerard. He's uh, an ex baseball player. Played semi pro ball. Played uh, played at a very high level. And uh, I don't know. Tell us a little bit about that, Gerard. About you know, transitioning from being a good high school athlete mm-hmm. in New Jersey, yep, and then transitioning to a higher level of professional sports. Yeah, it was it was um, it was it was cool. I mean, it was like a dream come true, right? So, I mean, I, I actually thought I'd play football in college and you know hopefully professional but um as it turned out i loved baseball uh i was a three-time all-american in college got a chance to uh play with the cardinals for uh for two years in the minor leagues and then i kicked around in uh indie ball in mexico and back with the blue jays back in indie ball so like i spent uh five years well really kind of college I, i guess i spent nine years traveling america trying to make that dream come true and i mean i was like all in, man. Like night, day. Uh, I really wasn't a fun person to be around. To be honest with you, I wasn't really. Uh, I really wasn't. I don't, I don't think a good guy. I think I was too locked in on trying to be one dimensional. And um, you know, when baseball was done, I didn't know what to do with myself. I didn't know what to do with my life. You know, and uh, I, I tried MMA. I was really good at MMA, and I was like, okay, well, I'm gonna fight for a living, and then I'm getting punched in the face. <laughs> not making any money and I'm getting my, my nose broken and my, my teeth chipped and uh, the whole time I had been doing uh, like stand-up comedy and open mics because the sports psychologist uh, told me I needed to diversify uh, my experiences I was getting into fights during baseball I, was just, I wasn't a good dude man. Um, and then lo and behold I just loved comedy fell in love with comedy I was 16 years old at the Stress Factory at you're playing, major, you're playing pro baseball. Minor league ball, yep. Playing, you know, minor league ball. That that takes a different turn. You stop playing minor league ball, yep. and you you wake up one day and you say, "Hey, I want to go do comedy." I mean, comedy's probably <laughs> a lot of people don't know this. Comedy probably is the hardest genre of entertainment to go for. Yeah, I mean, it really is. I mean, they say it is. It's a it's, a, it's an art. It's a craft. Uh, you have to be a unique person to do comedy. And so here we are taking an, another uphill battle after, you know, 
trying to be a professional athlete is pretty yeah. uphill battle as well. So yeah. you decide you want to be a comedian. To, and what 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 was going through your head to make you think that? Well, you know, you know dude, you're 100 percent right. You know, you'd figure like after taking a swing at like a dream and like that and falling flat on your face, just you know, you'd want to do something that had a little bit more, you know, stability. Um, but I just loved comedy, and you're right. It's like it is the hardest thing. I tell people. And I know this sounds arrogant, but I'd like I I played baseball in front of ten thousand people. I fought in front of five thousand people. I've told jokes in front of ten people, and the, it, it's not even close. It's the the ten people is the scariest, hardest thing. Um, but it, it you know when it hits, there's just nothing like it. And like getting the chance to work with you know guys like you, guys like Catfish, guys like you know girls like Carol Ann, who I, I think is just you know there's something really something really legitimately special about her. It's just. It's addicting, man, and uh, I'm a glutton for punishment. So. so, what was if you wanted, if you know, and this might be for some people out there, you know, if you want to be a comedian, what what was your road uh, to start trying to be a comedian? I never thought I would be a comedian ever. I ne- I did it uh, just I really liked the culture and the atmosphere, and I started going to open mics when I was on the road and stuff, and. Um, and then uh, once I started understanding the art and understanding the craft and learning the timing and learning that, oh, there's like an actual psychology behind this. There's an actual art behind what you're doing. I just got addicted to it. Uh, and then I started getting passed in clubs. And, you know, I was doing, before I knew it, I was doing shows in the city. You know, I started with open mics. And for, for people that don't know, open mics are any, any, anybody can perform. You know, you pay $5 at the door, you get your five minutes. And, you know, it, it's pretty brutal. <laughs> open mics are, are pretty tough. Um, there's not a lot of laughter. There's a lot of insecurity. There's a lot of really, really bad humor. But the thing is, is that you learn if this is for you when you go up and you bomb. And you don't do well. And then you still want to go back up, you know, like you just love the spotlight. You love the stage. I think we're all um, we're pleasant narcissists in a certain way. Like all of us, we have a voice inside of us and we need to get it out. And, and we think on a certain level we're I think we all think we're helping on a certain level. Like we're saying the things that, that other people think, but they they won't say, you know. So I, I think for us, it's it's kind of a calling, you know, and, and for me, you know, um, I don't see anybody like me on TV. There's nobody that thinks the way I think or looks the way I look. So I think it's really, really important for other people out there that grew up the way that I grew up and think the way I think to have somebody that can be like, yeah, yeah, no, I, I like that guy. I get that. I feel the same way because I, I don't, I don't see a lot of that, you know. And that's that's why I feel like, you know, it's really important to just be honest and truthful and do it in a way. Like, I love Dave Chappelle. You know, I love Dave Chappelle. One of the things I love about Chappelle is he says things people don't want to hear in a way that they can't stop listening. And that's that's really something that I aspire to, is I want to be a positive influence for change in that way, where it's like, I got something you're not really, you're not really going to maybe agree with, but you're going to like the way I say it, so you're going to listen anyway. And I think that that communication is really important, especially in, in today's environment. Well, I think, too, I mean, in... Gerard came up more of a traditional way um, than a lot of our, our comedians. And I've always said, I mean, the, the industry tries to classify traditional against, you know, social media comedians and so forth. And to me, talent is talent. I just mm-hmm. think you got to be able to find the right talent. And, you know, so his, his trajectory has been a little different uh, than other people in the Bain Productions camp. So... 
Gerard going through the New York City comedy scene, which is a very, very hard scene to get through, and a traditional way to become a comedian. What was the learning curve mm-hmm. coming over, getting involved with us, when all our comedians started with media first? Yeah, yeah. You know, the, the first thing was understanding, and I, I still am not good at it, I'm still trying to learn and get better, is understanding how to make the videos and, and connect with the audience. Because the big thing in New York, like, we all hold on to our material, like, as tight to the vest. Like, I'm going to tell my best jokes. If, if this comedian's in the crowd, because he'll, he'll steal my bits. Or, you know, if I can't, po- I can't post a bit that I'm still using because, you know, then it'll be out there and I've burnt my bit, you know. And that, that kind of mentality is really old school, but it's prevalent today. Uh, and one of the things that I've learned is like these people want to hear the jokes that they heard on the internet so you're not burning the bit at all it's almost like rock and roll in that mm-hmm. regard and that's the first show i did with you i told you i was like dude this is a comedy this is rock and roll man this is like a whole different experience the people lined up around the blocks comedy for me was like suffer for your art like you had to earn the stuff. Like, like the pain was how we knew you were a good comedian. Like, how many shows did you do tonight? Well, I did ten shows. You know, I did five shows tonight. I had to go uptown, downtown, and everywhere in between. I started at seven o'clock and I finished at two o'clock, and I made seventy-five bucks. You know, and that's- hey, Carolyn, Catfish, Darren. He made did ten shows. He made seventy five bucks. <laughs> well, well, if I did if I did ten shows, I, if I made ten shows, I legitimately would have made two hundred and fifty bucks. Yeah, and I would have spent you know thirty bucks on the subway, and it would have taken me you know six hours, seven hours to do it. And then you got to get up and do it the next day, and the next day, and the next day. Um, so I did that for years, and that, in fairness, that that helps you because you learn. A whole bunch of different crowds. You, you learn how to become comfortable in silence. You're not going to hit every night. So it really does. It sharpens you. It sharpens your act. But that's a tough way to do it, man. It's way better to create the audience first. Like like your guys create their audience first. And they, they almost find their voice first. As opposed to like doing all these shows and finding their voice through the struggle. You know, they have this environment where they know what people like. And they know who likes them. And, you know, then they just, they can go to those people or those people and come to them. It's, it's just, it's just such a better way to do it. I don't, I don't think the traditional comedy clubs and the bookers and, and those people like it mm-hmm. uh, because it takes the control out of their hands. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, you can just do something in the backyard if you want. If 200 people, yeah, come to my backyard. You don't need to go to the club, mm-hmm. really. I mean, you know, so um, I'd like to see like the industry kind of catch up a little bit and be like, because it's like you said, they look down their nose. They're like, oh, he's a YouTuber. You know, you're opening for a YouTuber. It's like, yeah, <laughs> you know, four sold out, sold out shows halfway across the country. Forget the word YouTuber. I do YouTuber. not like the word YouTuber. Yeah. An industry uses the word YouTuber all the time. Yeah. When you say that, it only helps YouTube. Mm-hmm. You're not really building your brand. So I think there's somewhat of a crossroad there. I think that, you know, I think that, you know, you look at Carol Ann, you look at Darren, you look at Catfish, they had big followings, you know, and they did define who they were as a person. Mm-hmm. But that had to be developed, I think, to sell tickets as well. And then, and then once you develop the fan base to buy tickets, then translating them to stage is another growth thing that they really have to learn quickly. So it's... I think it works both ways, and I, I don't think people really understand that. 
I think you have to find the right talent coming out of social media to be able to make that transition to stage. One day, hopefully, you know, the way Gerard came up traditionally, the way some of our people come up, maybe there's a combination mm-hmm. or format that everybody can use that works on both sides of the fence and there won't be somewhat of a division in the comedy industry. Well, that's really what the club should be doing, right? Like, not to give them the secret sauce, but mm-hmm. instead of having acts come in, do their bits, and then leave, like, it should be, okay, go perform on stage, and then go in the back with the other comedians and make TikToks for the for the club. Like, they should, they should be embracing this environment, but instead, to your point, they use the word YouTuber or influencer like it's a derogatory. It's like, oh, he's a YouTuber or oh, he's an influencer. It's like, yeah. no, this is a real legit talent that just didn't want to wait for your permission to be funny. Yeah. Like, that's what they want. They want you to have to pick up and leave St. Joe, Missouri, come live in a one-bedroom apartment in Chinatown and struggle for five years like the rest of us before yeah. they before they give you the blessing. They say, okay, you're, you're allowed to be a comedian now. You're allowed. And it's like, no, just get on and be funny. Why are you waiting for somebody's permission? Like, that's the way I view it. The old school guys, you know, think it's cheating. They think it's skipping the line. You know, uh, I almost think of it. I mean, you came up. You were in TV for a long time. Remember how they, we used to look like down on reality stars? I was like, yeah. oh, it's a reality star. Yeah. And that was like what you did to get one last paycheck at the end of your career. Now, like reality TV is how you kickstart your career. It's like this is how you start a billion dollar empire. It's like, oh, she's a reality star. Yeah, Kylie Jenner's a billionaire at 20, dude. Like, yeah. it, it's just... To me, it's technology. It's yeah. like, imagine getting mad at somebody for using, you know, a drill because you grew up using a screwdriver. Oh, real carpenters use a screwdriver. I would never use that newfangled drill. It's, if you don't want to use technology, you're saying more about yourself than you are about us. That's the way I feel. Yeah. Well, and I, and I always said, too, is being famous is eyeballs. I don't think it matters what the medium is. Mm-hmm. I don't think it matters if you're being seen on a phone. If you're being seen on a tablet, you're being seen on a computer, you're being seen on a TV, on the wall, I think eyeballs are eyeballs, and the more eyeballs that see you, the better chance you have at having a successful career. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's uh, it's a very interesting dynamic. I think that uh, I think there needs to be more of a um, understanding of talent first instead of industry first. Mm. I think people understand industry first and understand their structure because sometimes industry structure doesn't work for everybody. You know, and just because one person did it this way doesn't mean everybody else has to do it this way. So I think if there's somewhat of a revolution per se in comedy and other genres of entertainment, I think the industry, because of some structures, have probably missed a lot of talent. There's no doubt. Uh, they don't look the right way or they don't sound the right way or it's oh you're great but we should have found you three years ago now you're old you know like they, they always find an excuse to say no they love saying no uh, And I, but I, just to go back to what you were saying about finding the right talent it is true though and you found the right people because I've worked with other you know quote unquote influencers or people that were famous or ex-celebrities that are now doing like comedy or they're doing like appearances and they don't respect the craft. They're not any good. They'll show up late. They'll be drunk on stage. They won't have a bit. And then people, you know, they just rush to the door to get their money back. And it's like they get one run of this, like, they were famous in the moment. But they don't actually care about the performance or don't genuinely care about whether or not these people are having a good time. And that's something I could say for 100% about both Catfish, Carol Ann, that I've worked with, and Andrew as well. 
Um, they legitimately care that people are having a good time and they're always working on their craft. So like, that's why I don't feel, you know, I don't feel that anxiety that, you know, the traditional comedian feels like, oh, you're, you know, you're, oh, you're going with them. And it's like, dude, they, these are acts. These are real professionals, man. And they really care and they're really good too. And they're working on it every day. Uh, cause I think a lot of people think like back in the day when like Dustin Diamond and Screech was going around mm-hmm. or, you know, uh, Bagel Boy, you know, Bagel Boss or whoever was the, you know, the I viral think, star. I think the, the Jersey moment. Shore gave a bad rap to a lot of people. Yeah. The Jersey Shore was <laughs> yeah. tough, man. Um, yeah. I did, I did some stuff. Remember with Cologero C? Uh-uh. Yeah, and he and he went to jail for killing somebody, man. He was a drug addict. It was horrible. And but he would like, he would headline these events. Uh-huh. And it would just be a nightmare. It was a train wreck, man. And it's just yeah. like that you don't want to be a part of. But I don't think that I think that industry makes the mistake of thinking putting everybody in that same box where everybody's that, mm-hmm. as opposed to these aren't viral stars. These are comedians who basically sent their audition tape out to America, right? Nice. I, well, I've always said the casting, you know, social media, and I don't know why sometimes Hollywood doesn't understand that. I've always said that, you know, social media is a casting call that's already done for you. Absolutely. I mean, the, the fans have already made their choice, mm-hmm. you know, and whatever you do with that fan base is up to you. But that takes the power away from the people that are really used to having power, though. Yes. So I yeah. think I think that's why they like kind of pushing it down a little bit because it's like, no, no, I don't care what America wants. It's what I want, you know? Yeah. I mean, that's what you do as a comedian. You send your tape into these places. You send your avails. You send your tape and you hope for a booking. So yeah. why don't I send it to the one guy? Okay, America, here's my bit. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. tell me, what do you think? Well, like I said, Gerard is a featured host on the Unimpressed podcast. And also, he is hosting the Nitro Comedy Tour. He is also featured as a, a comedian with Carol Ann Majavik on her tour. And uh, yeah, we're in Cleveland right now. We've we've done some great shows this week. What's your be all end all the next five years? You think? What is you? What's your ultimate be all end all? Well, I want to keep getting better. I, I've had so much fun. I mean, the the cool thing about being on both tours is the audiences are so different. So you have to come up with two completely different bits for. Nitro, then you have to for she laughs. You know, we 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 did like a biker rally in Zanesville, and then you know we're, we're you know I'm I'm touring with a best-selling Christian author in, in Columbus. You know, and it's like <laughs> yeah. that's a wild ten yeah. days, right? So I mean, yeah. it's it's made me better. It's made me really have to think and you know really try to to work on the act. So so uh, five years, man, oh, dude. I, I would love to. Me personally, I would love to like host a talk show. Like I would love to. I you know gen, I love interacting with people learning about people you know you, you guys make fun of me for how long I, I stay on the uh, on the meet and greets after this show yeah. uh, dude I love America man I've been traveling this country for 17 years I love this place I genuinely love it um, and, and I, I'd love to be able to, to express that love to other people as well and you know talk to talk about people places things I've been seen and done and, and you know that connectivity you know, you always talk about identity, like that connectivity that we all have this shared experience, 
you know, it was a whole bunch of people. You know, we listen to Alanis Morissette. <laughs> Everybody starts singing it. Yeah. Doesn't matter if you're in Cali or if you're yeah. in, you know, Florida. She's Canadian, and that song's 25 years old. That song comes on in Easton, Ohio, and everybody, a whole room, just started singing. Like that's the type of stuff I love. Like that embracing that togetherness, man. And I, I'd love to somehow be able to either through a stage act or radio or podcast or show or something like I, I want to be able to express that you know get in the car and drive man like just get out and see it and I'd like to be able to inspire people to do that you know cool cool well when you talk about identity identity is a big thing I mean uh, you know when a song comes on you identify who the artist is when a joke comes on or that's known universally you know, you identify who the comedian is. So guess what, folks? Bane Productions Television, driven by identity. So this is a TV network that we're starting. We're we're going to be coming out with more, you know, series and films and things like that. We've got current content up on the platform now, but I think driven by identity is a big thing. So look for Bane Productions Television. Well, if you got your own network, I want to I, I I be a VJ. I want to do the old school MTV. Send me to every spring break in America and I'll, and I'll meet the people on the beach and we'll go around. And me and Gordo will go around having a good time on the beach in Panama meeting everybody for the MT, for the Bang Productions VJ spring breaks. Man. That's pretty cool. Yeah. yeah we, we should look. That's what we should do. We should look at all the old MTV shows. Back when it was great, when it was phenomenal, before yeah. they changed everything for some reason. And duplicate those shows. Yeah. This is Gerard Heron. Look for him and the Bang Productions crew across the country. This is your Unimpressed Podcast. I'm John Edmonds Cosmo. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.